The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. And welcome once again. Friday evening is here, and uh, that means it's time for the Disability Law Show. John Skull's here, and as always, Savannah Tamarkin is ready to go. Sam Fury Tamarkin LLP, reach out to Savannah and his team. You can do so by phone if that's the best route for you. That's one 821 5900 to do that. Email we always use, help at disabilityrights.ca. There's also a website called pocketdisabilitylawyer.ca, which we'll talk about momentarily, but uh, lots of things to get through today. Today, uh, this evening on the show, Savannah, including a ton of email, but uh, we'll get to that very shortly. But we always get things rolling, get warmed up and stretched out with the week that was. What do you got going on on your end? Hey, John, good to be here with you and our listeners. Let me start off with a, a bit of a tragic case. Um, I got an email this week from a gentleman. Uh, he, he, he lives East uh, Ontario, in East Ontario, and his son uh, was in a car accident back in 2020, late 2020, and he passed away. He died. Uh, so it was a fairly significant crash. Another driver was involved, another car. That car was deemed to be responsible. Now, the reason why this gentleman reached out to me is because he hired a lawyer uh, to deal with his claim. And essentially, the the uh, crux of his email is that he feels that his current lawyer has limited abilities to represent him. And he doesn't feel that, you know, with his current lawyer, he'll be able to get the compensation that he he deserves. Now, again, it's very difficult to talk about this in these terms, right? When you have a fatality, when you have a son, a daughter, a spouse, a father, a mother, somebody close to you that has passed away because of a car accident, and, and it wasn't their fault, somebody else was responsible, whether they were a passenger in a vehicle or whether they were a driver themselves, and another driver struck them, you know, people need to understand that... Uh, you know, grief aside, and, and, you know, I'm not in any way minimizing it because I've had people who passed away in my family, so I, I certainly understand that. Uh, but grief aside, you need to understand the legalities um, that we have to deal with in a car accident uh, context when we're dealing with a fatality. You still have two years from the date of the accident to start a legal claim. Now, remember, John, we talked about this. When it comes to car accidents in Ontario, there are two types, generally speaking, two types of insurance claims. One is the accident benefits claim. So this is from the insurance company of the vehicle the person was a passenger or the driver of, as well as a potential claim against the driver or the owner of the car that was responsible for the accident. So that person's insurance company, they're also going to have to get involved here, assuming you start a legal action. So this gentleman started the legal action. This was a few years back. We're in 2024 right now. This happened 2020. Uh, I don't know when the legal claim was started, but clearly three to four years now later, he now feels that his current lawyer is simply incapable of dealing with this claim or doesn't have sufficient resources to deal with it. So I want to talk about what happens in the event of a fatality. When you're dealing with a fatality, it's very different than dealing with an individual that's injured. Um, for obvious reasons, but from a legal standpoint, assuming that we're not dealing with liability here, assuming we're dealing with damages, how do we assess damages? How do we assess compensation to the family members? Because when you have somebody who's injured, if it's you or me, John, who are injured in a car accident, we are entitled to compensation for our pain and suffering, for our income loss, for et cetera, right? But our family members are also entitled to certain compensation 
under the legislation called yep. the Family Law Act. Okay. So in a fatality situation, the claim is going to be brought by that person's family. Uh, and again, uh, it could be a, a uh, sibling, it could be a parent, it could be a spouse, it could be a child, but the family members are entitled to compensation. So I want to go through, I want to explain what happens in a fatality, okay? Accident benefits, let's start with that claim. Again, that's the insurance company of the vehicle the person who died was either in or was insured under. And so we're talking about death and funeral benefits. The death benefits available under the current accident benefits regime in a fatality case are $25,000 for a spouse and $10,000 for any dependent or supported former spouse. Uh, there's also a maximum of $6,000 payable for funeral benefits. Now, John, unfortunately, I've had funerals in my family. I, you know, Most people out there will tell you it costs a lot more than $6,000 potentially to have a funeral, not to mention the $25,000 payable for a spouse. I mean, again, I don't know how old this individual was when he passed away, the son of the gentleman who called me. But what happens in a case where you have somebody who is an income earner, right? Uh, somebody who perhaps has a spouse, perhaps has children. What can the family be looking at by way of compensation? Well, it could be very, very significant. So let me go through that just so you understand. And again, I'm I'm referencing law here, but it's important people understand where I'm getting this information, right? Uh, if you go to the Family Law Act, you can Google that. Go to Section 61. It will tell you that the family members of an individual who has been either injured or who has died in an accident is entitled to compensation. So what are the types of compensation? Well, Section 61 sub 2 says that the kind of damages we're talking about, we're talking about actual funeral expenses, reasonably incurred. So if it's above $6,000, well, guess what? You'll get $6,000 from your accident benefits insurer, but potentially the excess, the rest of the amount from the insurance company of the vehicle that was responsible for the accident. Uh, you are allowed, uh, there's a calculation for income loss. There is the income loss that the spouse, in this case, if this gentleman had a spouse, had children, well, he was supporting them. There is going to be a calculation that is made as to how much that family is now owed by way of the missed income that this gentleman has been bringing into the family. And it's not a straightforward calculation because, you know, John, you and I have families, right? And even though we bring in a certain amount of money to our families, we're also using some of that money ourselves. So there has to be an accounting to figure out what is the amount that really the family has lost here. Right. Depending on how old or how young this person is, it could be significant. You could be looking into the six figures, maybe even seven figures in terms of losses for the family that the family is entitled to. And of course, don't forget there is compensation for the pain and suffering, the loss of guidance, care, and companionship. These are the key words under the legislation. So it's really important to understand that when you're dealing with a fatality, it's a very, very sensitive topic. I completely understand that. We've dealt with fatalities, many fatalities, unfortunately, in in our line of business, whether it's because of a car accident or if it's because of negligence, some other negligence. Uh, we've had situations where somebody, uh, uh, you know, has, has passed away, uh, you know, due to assault. There's a variety of reasons why somebody uh, may contact us after having lost someone. Maybe somebody that lost a loved one uh, in an old age home, right? Maybe there was negligence there. I've had those kinds of claims as well. There are many reasons to look into that kind of a legal claim. And I'm not telling people out there, you know, to just go out and, and hire a lawyer and just start a lawsuit left, right, and center. What I'm saying is that the law allows you to receive compensation if you're a family member for a loved one that has passed away due to the negligence. I want to highlight that negligence 
of someone else. Very, very important to understand. The law allows you to get that compensation, but you do, you do have only two years from the date of the incident to make that claim. And it can get fairly complex. Sometimes it's not, but it can get fairly complex. Sometimes we have to hire certain experts to help us, such as with calculating the missed income. I've had claims, John, that easily ran into the high six figures in terms of settlements Jeez. with insurance companies. And you know, no amount of money is going to bring back this person who has passed away to their family. But, but perhaps we can make something out of it. Perhaps we can help the family somehow financially here. The insurance company of whoever it is that caused the accident, whoever it is that caused the fatality, needs to pay at least the financial piece uh, to the family or whoever it is that was affected uh, you know, within that circle, the family circle of the person who has passed away. So a very sensitive topic, John. We do deal with these kinds of claims. They can be very complex. I urge people, if you're in that situation or you know somebody in that situation, feel free to tell them to reach out to us. Again, it doesn't cost anything to speak to me, to a member of my team, uh, to a whole bunch of us at the same time. It doesn't really matter. We want to make sure you have all the information you need at the time you need it and that you don't miss any deadlines because there are deadlines for starting these kinds of claims. And if you miss those deadlines, guess what? The insurance company can end up keeping all that money that is owed rightfully to your family. I think one of the the key things, and I'm not, you know, I'm, this isn't a sales pitch by any stretch, but when you're dealing with that, the, you know, the the gravity of that type of situation, you definitely want to make sure you're with with somebody in a firm that's got experience doing this stuff, because there's so many there's so many pockets of compensation that could be easily missed by uh, you know a lawyer or a firm that doesn't know what they're doing when it comes to a, a death in that in that case, right? One hundred percent. And you know, the problem is that sometimes we get contacted by people who have already signed the release, they've already settled. They've already agreed to a certain amount, uh, and, and you know they've signed their rights away, and we can't do anything at that point. At that point, we can't undo the settlement, and so it's important to start things from the beginning the correct way. Do not go to a lawyer who says that they do injury claims, fatality claims, real estate, criminal law, family law. You cannot be a jack of all trades when it comes to legal practice. You can't. It's just like medicine. Yeah. You have certain uh, specialties. People focus on certain things. We focus on these kinds of claims. Other people focus on family law. My partner focuses on employment law, right? You got to go to the people who that's all they do. So yeah, absolutely, John, you got to make sure you get that information because otherwise you could be missing out on a lot of compensation that is rightfully owed to you. Got to get a break in here in about a uh, minute, Savannah, but uh, within that time, tell me a little bit about pocketdisabilitylawyer.ca. I know you like this one. For sure. It's a free website that gives you uh, accurate, free information and it's anonymous if you have any questions about your long-term disability claim that's the other area that we deal with uh, we can certainly help you and, and you know sometimes john for whatever reason people don't want to reach out by phone or by email they just want to google the information well stay away from google because you may end up on a u.s website that's irrelevant or even on websites of other lawyers who don't necessarily have again the know-how the expertise pocketdisabilitylawyer.ca was created to allow you to get the information you need about your specific situation quickly, free, and anonymous. And it's absolutely accurate. So there's no reason not to use it. Tell people about it. Trust me, John, people have been using it for months now and they love it. 
Really simple, a bunch of little uh, drop-down menus for you to choose from. Takes about thirty seconds to go through it, and uh, then it spits out the bottom. It's really easy. Again, pocketdisabilitylawyer.ca. Uh, short one and only break this evening. Of course, we'll get back. Uh, lots of your emails coming through. You want to send one along for either tonight or a future show? No problem. Email help at disabilityrights.ca. And to read Savannah and his crew, one eight five five. 821-5900, completely toll-free, of course. And we'll continue with more of the Disability Law Show. Hang in there. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. And welcome back. Disability Law Show here. And uh, some time to go, so we'll get to your uh, your emails. By the way, you want to reach out when we're not doing this half hour on a uh, Friday evening. You can do so to Savannah and his team. Put you in the right direction. one 821 5900 Help at disability, uh, disabilityrights.ca. And that website, again, pocketdisabilitylawyer.ca. That will give you some quick answers for your particular situation. Just uh, use that. takes about 30 seconds. And, of course, completely anonymous as well. Pocket disability lawyer.ca okay savannah first email for the show tonight tj says guys my mother slipped on uh, ice last friday on her way to the doctor just outside the entrance to the doctor's building she fell hard and broke her right shoulder also hit her head on the ground the doctors say that she has a concussion and possibly a mild traumatic brain injury she's 63 years old and works part-time as a dental hygienist and also takes care of my father who has advanced parkinson's I'm worried about her injuries and what that means for her income and also for the care of my father. Right now, me and my sister are helping out a lot. I was uh, called right after the accident and saw the sidewalk next to her building, and it was full of ice. And pardon me, it looks like it hadn't been cleaned or salted all day. Her accident happened at approximately 2 p.m. in the afternoon. What are our next steps? What should we do? PJ, thanks for reaching out. Uh, Let me unpack this for you because there's a lot of things here to discuss. So number one, let's start from liability. Remember, when we're dealing with a slip and fall accident, I'm always looking to see how did the accident happen. I'll deal with the injuries a bit later, but if I can't establish that whoever was responsible for the property failed in their responsibility, failed to discharge their onus to make sure that the area was safe for pedestrians like your mother, well, then it doesn't really make sense for me to even go and talk about damages because I'm not going to be able to recover anything from their insurance company. In this case, however, in this case, the fact that uh, uh, you're telling me that uh, you went right after and you saw the sidewalk next to the building and it was full of ice and looked like it wasn't cleaned or salted, to me, that is not a slam dunk, obviously, but to me, that is very strong evidence that there's going to be liability here on whoever owns the area. Now, let me break that down for a second. I say owns because usually you have a property owner, but that property owner oftentimes hires a maintenance company, a winter maintenance company to come and clean the uh, snow, to clear the snow, to spread salt, uh, to spread sand perhaps, etc. But not only that, sometimes the owner of the property has their own people who also do it. So it's really important to unpack and understand who, again, is responsible here. So we would have to obviously figure out who owns the area. We have to figure out from them, because we would be communicating with them, figure out if they hired a winter maintenance company, and maybe even they hired or subcontract to another winter maintenance company. So again, liability is important. Now, what I don't know, John, is if TJ took any pictures or videos. And I urge people, especially now in winter, right, whether it's you, your spouse, parents, whoever it is, If you're involved in an accident, slip and fall, 
plays, maybe the person who's injured is not able to do so because they're injured, but someone around them witnesses someone should take photographs, videos, whatever they can uh, of the area of the fall because there's nothing better in terms of evidence to show the insurance company down the road, hey, look, you're insured. The company that was responsible for this area did not do their job so that it doesn't become a he said, she said situation because I can guarantee you, John, without photos and videos, it's exactly what's going to happen. I've even had cases in the past where some winter maintenance maintenance contractors, companies, actually uh, uh, fabricated uh, records. They didn't have, we caught them in a lie. We caught them in a lie because we were able to produce other documentation that showed that, in fact, the documentation they gave us were actually doctored uh, documents. We even had a witness that said that. So my point is, if you have photos and videos around the time that this happened, not the next day or the following day or a week later, right? Because the, the conditions change. But as soon as possible after the incident, it, it, it goes a long way. So so just based on what you've told me, TJ, let's assume that there is liability here, that the uh, owner of the property or whoever was responsible for the winter maintenance is responsible. Let's deal with the injuries and damages here. So she fell on her right shoulder and hit her head. We're talking about a potentially potential maltraumatic brain injury, which is very, very significant. Okay, Some people do not recover from that, despite treatments. And she broke her right shoulder, so there's going to be upper mobility issues now. And because she's 63 years old, I can tell you I've dealt with enough, of ca- enough cases like this. I've spoken to countless orthopedic surgeons. I can tell you this lady's likely, just based on what I'm reading here, is going to be disabled for life to some degree, to some extent. Now, add to that the fact that she's a dental hygienist part-time. I can't see her. Again, don't know anything more than what TJ has written. I can't see her going back to her job. So there's going to be an, an income loss claim here. How much? What was she earning on a yearly basis? Was it $30,000 a year? $40,000 a year? Extrapolate that for the next two years, three years, five years. How long was she going to work? You know, some people say that, oh, yeah, well, I, people retire at 65 no, gone are those days. People nowadays do not retire at age 65. Many people work into their 70s, sometimes even 80s, maybe even mm-hmm. more. Yeah. So we're talking about a potential income loss claim here that she might be uh, entitled to in the six figures where, I don't know, two, three, four, five hundred thousand $500,000, I have no idea. But what about the care that she used to provide her husband, TJ's father, who now, who has advanced Parkinson's that she cannot do? TJ said that him and his sister are now helping a lot. Remember we started the show by talking about the Family Law Act in the context of a fatality? Yeah. Well, the Family Law Act, those that compensation that family members are potentially entitled to is not only reserved for fatalities, it's also for injuries. So in TJ's situation, under the Family Law Act, he's entitled to compensation for the time, for the hours that he and his sister now spend taking care of his father, which prior to the accident, they didn't have to do because his mother was doing that. Now, some people out there are going to say, well, but he's the son. You know, it's his responsibility. He shouldn't be asking for money. Look, I'm only telling you what the law says. And the law says that if you are, because of an accident, a family member's accident, you are now providing certain services, which before the accident you did not. It's great that you're doing that from a familial standpoint, from a family standpoint, but you should be compensated for that from the insurance company who is on the hook here, the insurance company of whoever was responsible for that area where she fell. So I can tell you just based on this, now we didn't even talk about pain and suffering, you know, in my opinion, a right shoulder 
uh, uh, break, fracture. Again, depending if she needed surgery or not, depending if she's going to have a frozen shoulder now, depending if she needed uh, metal hardware put in her shoulder. I have no idea what the situation is. But a right shoulder injury like this could easily be, and I'm going to use the word worth, right, from a legal standpoint, $70,000, $90,000, maybe even over $100,000 just for the pain and suffering. Add to that the income loss because she can't go back to being a dental hygienist most likely, or, or if she can, it's in a very limited capacity and maybe later on in life. Again, I don't think she will, but let's assume for a second that she may. Mm-hmm. Uh, add to that the care that now her, her husband may require. By the way, we also don't know uh, she suffered a mal-traumatic brain injury. We have no idea to what extent that is going to affect her ability to actually take care of herself, let alone her husband. What if she needs a home now? What if she cannot actually be on her own? That's right. So potentially she and her husband, TJ's father, may need to be now placed in a home. I don't know if you checked the prices for for these kinds of homes lately, John, but I can tell you, oh, they can easily go one. to. <laughs> well, it yeah. can easily be three, four, five, six thousand dollars a oh, month. Yeah. Depending on where you go, add add. The, I mean, just do the math. This is a claim that could reach seven figures. Yeah. And and I'm saying this, and I'm putting the emphasis on it because I have seen cases when I was doing defense work, when I was working for insurance companies, almost 20 years ago. Okay, I don't work for insurance companies anymore. Haven't worked for them for years. But when I used to work for them early in my career, I saw claims that were brought where I was defending the insurance companies and some of the lawyers that were representing the injured individuals and their families missed, missed big time. They didn't claim for income loss or they didn't claim for uh, uh, treatments that the person required or they didn't claim under the Family Law Act. I settled claim back then, some claims that were worth three, four, five hundred thousand dollars for a fraction of that because the lawyers representing some of these individuals simply did not do what they were supposed to. Now, that wasn't my job. I was My job was defending insurance companies, right? My job now is making sure that every penny that is owed to my clients and my families, my, my clients' families, that they get. Because if they don't, you know who keeps that money? The insurance company. And I think the insurance company, insurance companies in general have way too much money as it is, right? So again, I'm talking just about the law here, TJ. Your mother, just based on what you're describing to me here, is owed a lot of compensation, but it's not just your mother. It's potentially your father because now he doesn't have the same wife due to these injuries. It's you, it's your sister, and potentially other family members who now you know, essentially have a mother or have a family member who has now been injured in a potentially catastrophic way. So, John, this is we can do a whole show just on this. TJ, what I suggest we do is we get in touch with each other after the show. I'll speak with you. I'll speak with your parents. I'll speak with whoever you want me to speak. Again, it doesn't cost anything just so I can answer all your questions. It's so critical that you understand what your rights are. It's so critical that whatever needs to be done right now for that legal claim gets done now. And I'm thinking primarily of putting the, uh, the owner of the building or the owner of the plaza where she fell on notice and starting that due diligence process to try and figure out who was responsible for the accident. Was it the winter maintenance company? Was it the owner? Was it a subcontractor? We need to understand who all those entities are because all of them potentially will have their own insurance companies. We've got to get everyone uh, on the same page because if we don't and we do this and down the road we have to resolve the case and settle the case, well, we want all the insurance companies at the table 
all of them are going to bring their, their, their checkbooks and all of them are going to have to compensate you, your sister, your mother, your father, and the rest of the family. This is a significant claim and we have to do it right. And with that, we're just about to wrap it up for a day. But, man, it's 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 really surprising when you think. Uh, and, and, again, it illustrates why you have to go to someone who knows what they're doing like yourself, Savan. You, you know, nobody would think of a slip and fall even with a busted hip and a, and a, and a, a banged up head to be in six or seven figures just based on all the components. It's it, it's really crazy. That's why you got to reach out to Savannah and his team. This may not be your case. It could be much smaller, but it doesn't matter. you got to have your ducks in a row. And you got to start with somebody in a, in a firm that knows what they're doing for sure. So, so there you go. I want to leave you with some information to reach out to Savannah anytime and his team if this or something else is a concern of yours. It could just be a simple phone call. That's uh, there's no charge for that. It's toll free. It's uh, just to pick up a phone and ask a few questions. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to do that. Email help at disabilityrights.ca or simply disabilityrights.ca if you want to find a. Uh, a source for our long-running TV show, which you can tune into weekly as well. And then, as we mentioned off the top, pocketdisabilitylawyer.ca. That'll give you a quick run-through of uh, possibly a case that you have or a certain uh, you know metrics when it comes to what you're dealing with. It's really simple to use. It takes about 30 seconds. It's free and anonymous as well, called pocketdisabilitylawyer.ca. You're done for a Friday. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll catch you next week right here on the Disability Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.